This podcast does use some rude language and explores adult themes. You've been warned. Don't be a... Don't be a... Don't be a... Please don't be a... 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 Welcome to Don't Be a Fuckwit, a self-help podcast for those who don't understand the widely accepted social norms. In recent years, we've witnessed the rise of the fuckwit. They've stepped out of the shadows and proudly presented themselves, making the world an infinitely worse place. But there is hope. This podcast will highlight examples of fuckwittery, raise awareness and aim to curb fuckwit behaviour, thereby making the world a better place for everyone. And this isn't just a one-sided scream at Life's Idiots. We also endeavour to understand fuckwits and why they behave the way they do. My name is Limo, and each week I'll be welcoming a different guest into the studio to help me discuss the world of these idiots today. It's multi-talented performer. He's an author, stand-up comedian, film star, TV star. He's done it all. And he's a Pies fan. Peter Hellier, hello. And number one fuckwit. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was going to join you. I was going to say, man, uniquely qualified to discuss. <laughs> no, this I subject. feel like being the first to do this podcast. I'm uh, got some questions that I'll ask <laughs> off air. <laughs> Nothing to do with you being a Collingwood fan, Peter. Mm. I mean, how do you how do you feel about fuckwits? I think oh, I don't like them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm anti fuckwit, but yeah. I I think what you said in your intro as as far as they've stepped out of the shadows more recently mm. is an accurate yeah. think, summation of what's going on. I I feel um, the internet has really shone a light um, on on fuckwits, and mm. I it's it's unnerving in a way, and and there's there's also I, I feel. <sighs> Because fuckwits has a more, as a term, is more menacing, I feel, yeah. than, say, dickhead. Dickhead can be playful. But, but dickhead, your mate's a dickhead. Yeah, Tommy, Tommy dickhead. Tommy Little's a dickhead. Tommy is a self-professed dickhead. <laughs> yeah. we're, we're all got a bit of dickhead in us, absolutely. And we do, we've all got a mate who's a dickhead. Yeah. We're all a dickhead from time to time. Yeah. But fuckwit, and you mentioned social media, it's given, it's enabled communities of fuckwits to, to form. To find each other. <laughs> Find each other now, which means if they find each other, I mean, they're having fuck with kids. <laughs> kids. It just grows and grows and grows. It grow, and then we have this exponential problem, yep. which is why we need this podcast. Uh, the Oxford Dictionary says a fuckwit is a stupid or contemptible person. I prefer the Urban Dictionary definition, which says uh, it is a person who is not only lacking in a clue, but apparently unable or unwilling to acquire a clue even when handed to them on a plate in generous portions. <laughs> <laughs> so I, for me, a fuckwit is someone who plays a solo game. Yeah. Life is a team sport. Yes, yes. Life is a team sport. That's interesting, yes. No matter, you might think it's an individual sport, but life is a team sport. We all have to work together on this planet. Fuckwits play a solo game and they don't care about anyone else. Yes, and we've all, you know, uh, hopefully, I, I've got to stop myself. I'm saying we, we're we're post pandemic. We're not post pandemic, but we are. <laughs> no. We are coming. We, we're hopefully certainly past the height of the pandemic. Yeah. And we've all lost friends in in, in in the pandemic. And we are talking, of course, about fuckwits on Facebook that, that are <laughs> that, that are that are, are no longer well dead to us. Um, yeah. And it's it's it is yes they have they have really announced themselves uh, throughout the pandemic. Uh, they have indeed, and we're bumming into them more and more, I find. Mm. I recently did Adam Zwar's podcast, Yes, 10 Questions, yes. and Adam Zwar said one of the questions was, is there an expression or a phrase 
you overuse. And my answer to him on his podcast was the, the expression or phrase I overuse is, oh, what a fuckwit. Because I find myself saying it every day now, whether I'm watching the news, seeing someone in the street, I have something on social media. I'm constantly being pre- confronted. There are time, yeah, there are, there are times you you need to step away. Whether Social media is the obvious example. Yeah. Um, but it could be watching news broadcasts or whatever. But sometimes you need to remove yourself from the forum just so you don't have them in your life. You know, that you kind of go, <laughs> yeah. it's, at, at, it can be amusing at times. Mm. And then, because I, I really got obsessed, and I'm sure they'll probably come up, you know, but the, uh, the, the, the protesters in, in Canberra and the Freedom Protests and all that, and I got yeah. there's, a, there's, a, there's a, a Twitter account I think called Reptu- Reptilian Overlord, and he um, at first I thought he was like a anti-vaxxer and like freedom fighter, and then it, it turns out like he no he's actually kind of like you know on the ground or got people on the ground filming videos, and he's just like letting you know who everyone who are the players in this community, right? And it's really quite fascinating. And I, for a, a, about a week. I, I was spending time, like I was watching TV, watching these videos, <laughs> and just like just trying to understand in a way, like having a laugh at, yeah, at first, but also just trying to understand what these people are, what are they seeing in in this you know community they've 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 uh, they've made, mm. um, and it was it went from it was a roller coaster of emotions because it was funny, <laughs> then it was sad and it was depressing, and then it yeah. was kind of funny again, and and yeah, it was it was weird, it was very weird. This is what ha- they empower each other. This is yeah. uh, this is what happens. With your average fuckwit. Uh, we will later on in the pod speak to Dr. Steve Ellen, a psychiatrist, who will try and explain to us the um, psychology of anti-vaxxers and why they're so drawn to the anti-vax community, seemingly in the face of what I would say are some fairly, uh, 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 fairly obvious facts that doctors mm. present to us about. Uh, overwhelming, some, I would say. Overwhelming mm. facts that doctors present about getting vaccinated. Coming to you live from an undisclosed location, this is I on Fuckwits. <laughs> Pete, have you bumped into any in the last uh, week or so? A couple of weeks? I bumped, one uh, on the studio. I physically didn't bump into him or her or them. Um, I, uh, and this happens, this is just. This happens, you know, we've all had this happen. <laughs> when you are, and being, you know, the, the week of recording, the Formula One is, you know, is, is around us in, yeah. in the city of Melbourne. Yes. When you are in grid, in pole position, in the grid, <laughs> yeah. waiting for that green arrow yes. to turn right. You oh. fucking need. Oh, mate. You need to be ready. <laughs> you don't, do not be oh. distracted. It's not time to change the station on your radio or to check text messages or Instagram or to take a fucking selfie or do makeup. You be focused on that arrow. Your eyes should not be darting from that arrow. Yes. You are just waiting for it to turn red because yes. anything more than a two-second delay can cost yeah. three cars down the oh, end. And, mate, this happened to me last night. Oh. I'm driving home last night, but this was – I was on a – it was a turn left Arrow, right? Yep. So the straight ahead lights are red. Yep. The car in front of me stopped. I'm stopped behind that car. Then we get a green arrow to go left. <sighs> and the dude's just sitting there, sitting there, sitting there. And eventually, because I don't like to toot, yep. I don't like to leap out of the blocks oh, with a toot. Yeah. Oh, you know? But then I toot, and then they're, oh, right. And t- it turns orange, that guy goes around. And then, <laughs> yeah, then you miss it. You seriously, miss it. you ruin it. 
It's a team sport. And that was last night, yeah? Life is a team sport, yes. That was last night. That might have been me, actually. I was, I was, I was checking some <laughs> feedback on the project after the show. I was on the way home. But, but <laughs> when I do it, it's okay. But when others do it, it's infuriating. It is, have you ever seen Lewis Hamilton? On the grid? Not once. Taking a selfie? Not once no. as he missed the start because of that reason. For other reasons, perhaps, well, I, I doubt it. But, um, no, it is, it is very frustrating. It's, it's infuriating. And I don't – what are you like with tooting? Are you, are you I'm a mu- tutor. You're um, a I, I do wish that cars – had two uh, two options, an angry horn and, 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 oh. and it's more of a, a friendly heads up, heads up horn. I but in some countries every horn's a friendly horn. Yes. So if you go to Asia, pretty much every horn's a friendly horn. Yeah. It's I'm just letting you know I'm here. Yeah. Keep keep an eye out. Yeah. Whereas in Australia, they're a bit angrier. There's a bit, there's a bit of ang- there's aggro, but also the interpretation of the horn. Mm. Like some people flare up straight away. Yeah, I, I, my wife has to say, say that's mm. you know that's you went too early on that, <laughs> and she's not a big right. horn user. Um, sometimes I've, sometimes, I mean, occasionally when I've been in the passenger seat, I've reached across and bit the horn while she's driving. Oh no, <laughs> no, like, yeah. which my, which made me consider the fuck with behaviour. <laughs> yes, it is. That is. You can't reach across and beep. Oh, someone else is taking the there rap are, on the I'm getting wheel. better. There, I've only done it a couple of times. Uh, a couple of times. Yeah, a couple of times. And and because well, I had to fuck with you in front of me. So see what happens? No, no. The fuck, fuck with you in front of me is, 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 is contagious. Correction. The fuck what was in front of her. <laughs> yeah, yes. You're in the passenger seat. Yes. You're out of the equation. I'm, I've gotten better. There's been times where I've reached over and stopped myself. I thought, no, no. Can you please toot the horn, sweetie? Right. I suspect. Can you please toot the horn, sweetie? <laughs> with this asshole in front of us. Does, does she enjoy that when you reach across no, and toot the horn? Of course no, she doesn't. Yeah, no, 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 she doesn't no, enjoy that. No, that's uh, it's disempowering. It is disempowering. You are you are Will Smith to her Jada Pinkett Smith. <laughs> they say the shortest measure of time in the world is the time it takes in New York. It, the time in between a light going green and the car behind you tooting. Right. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I can is, imagine. That is a tooting city. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They, uh, they just rest on their horns uh, in New York. I had, uh, sticking with travel, mm-hmm. where are you on people putting seats back on domestic flights in Australia? Oh, I'm not. Mm-hmm. I, listen, I, I prefer it doesn't happen. I, I do prefer it doesn't happen. Like it, 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 there's just not really enough room. If if you're trying to get some work done yeah. on a laptop, yeah, um, it is hard to work. If you're in you, economy class, it is very hard. Business guys are different things because they, they make the space for that to to yes. happen. But if you're in economy, I've been you know been there trying to, on my laptop, and you just go, okay, well I can't. Do you get, what I you, wanted to do for the next two hours. You literally can't have a laptop open while the person no. in front of you has a seat back. No, it becomes it becomes your tray table basically. Your, yes. your own laptop. You get two <laughs> tray tables, and it's 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 unfair. And um, yeah, I I I prefer it, it, people don't use it. I, I've stopped using it. I, any any travel in Australia that doesn't involve Perth, my rule: no seats back. I yeah. don't care. I don't care what the situation is, unless the seat behind you is empty. That's the only time you can put. Oh yes, I, I, I think absolutely. I think that's uh, absolutely fair enough. It, it really is just you are inconveniencing the, the person behind you. Also, some, I've seen people do it when others are eating behind, like when the no, you know, no, and the hostesses yeah. are pretty good at you know stamping out that kind of behaviour. They they spot it, <laughs> but it's when you're eating. Yeah. I, I, I literally saw uh, this is what not, not that long ago. Um, 
uh, somebody was sitting. There was a middle seat. Yeah. And somebody was, you know, somebody was sitting on the, on the. Uh, I, I I tend to sit on the window, and then yeah. they're, they're on the aisle. I didn't know this person. Yeah. But the person in front of them, they got they had their chair back, and they got it was a, it was a girl, like probably like a young girl, like you yeah. know, as in like a late teenager, oh, early twenties. Let me, let me guess what you're going to say. Hair. Hair. Yeah. Did the hair thing? <laughs> it went over her seat and literally. <laughs> Into his braised steak or whatever he was having. It was like we just looked at each other and we went, what the f- That's a move. I've got to say, I've never done that <laughs> for many reasons. See, that sort of lack of awareness. Yes. It makes the world a shittier place. Did he say anything to her? No. No, he didn't. He was, he, 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 he was, he was in shock. Yes. And some people are not, you know, um, confrontational. But that is, yeah. he certainly didn't finish his meal. Oh, it was full of hair, <laughs> a full head of hair. Um, international flights, of course, fine to put the seat back, but not straight away. Yeah. I've I mean, had it before where people put, put the seat back before takeoff. Yeah, not, not, yeah. not and again, not, not through meals. No, and not through meals either. You know the first time I ever flew overseas, you could smoke on the plane. Really? So this was 1992. I flew Adelaide, Kuala Lumpur. And I booked a smoking seat because I was a smoker. And it was one of the most disgusting experiences of my life. And pe- but people would lighten up darts as they were putting their overhead the stuff in the overhead locker. So everyone in the smoking section is a chain smoker. The smart smokers book a seat down in the normal section, walk back, have a smoke in the smoking section, and then walk back to their seats at the other end of the plane. So when did it when did it become Illegal. Not, yeah, not long after that, I reckon. Yeah, because I, I reckon it was you couldn't smoke on domestic flights then. Yeah, right. But that was an international. Oh, mid nineties. So I remember right? being. I remember, I remember it still being a thing, and I remember then saying no more. But I don't think I was ever on. And I remember being on planes where you could smell. Uh, yeah. Cigarettes, like you know, you could smell the the damage uh, that had done. I I was on an Air India flight once from London to New York, non-smoking flight, late nineties. And there were dudes up the back of the plane just with little cups of water just having cigarettes. And the flight attendants are going, you can't smoke. And they're going, yeah, we're smoking. <laughs> so, okay. I disagree. I disagree. Um. <laughs> I think you'll find I can smoke. And here I am having one right now. Uh, now, here's another example of fuckwittery I've spotted in the last week. And this just infuriates me every time. Public toilet. Yeah. We... On the toilet seat, in a in a cubicle, how like what sort of a human being is walking there, pissing all over the seat, and then just wandering out? Just generally, I find it doesn't take much. It should be in, in your reflex, part of your habit, toilet going habit. Look at what you've done. <laughs> Yes. Spot it up. Sometimes you actually, I quite enjoy looking at it. Okay, got a bit out. I'm probably a bit lighter. Excellent. You know. But is it not incumbent upon me to leave this toilet in the state in which I found it? I have, and I've discussed this with some friends. I actually often do a bit of a cleanup. <laughs> so do I, because if you walk, so let's say there's piss yep. on the seat, I walk in and go, oh, that's disgusting. The minute I walk out, that's my piss. Exactly. To the yeah. next person, absolutely, yeah, and then that, and that's that's worse than when they recognise you. Then, <laughs> yeah, that story's going to get out more than the the, the the chair going back. That's a limo pissing all over the seat. 
Not bad. The other thing when I'm on airplanes, because I, I have a lady's bladder, like a, an, like a, my nana's bladder. Like re- it's, it's actually it's your nana's yeah, bladder. My, my nana gave me her bladder as, as a gift. The other's got cards. And uh, I, I got <laughs> the got money. I got yeah. my, my nana's bladder. And, and so if I have a few cheeky drinks on a flight I'll, like, and I – Open this, you know, break open the seal. Oh, yeah. I need to go. So yeah. I, I, that's when I get more paranoid about being recognized. <laughs> when I, it's like, oh, oh, but geez, Peter Helly's gone to the toilet a lot. <laughs> Rosso, Tim Ross said, what he, he has the same problem. What he does, he comes out and like almost like wipes his teeth like he's just done cocaine because it's less embarrassing <laughs> to, to be known as a, as a cocaine addict who's getting your fix. <laughs> On a one-hour flight to Sydney, to having going three times to the toilet, the, the, he just he sniff, sniffs a lot, while wiping his nose. Oh, that's good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I completely agree. I mean, I, yeah, I've got three boys at home, so sometimes there's a bit of you know maintenance at home, and, and you know. Right. But, but also, the other thing I would say is people just washing your hands. I saw. I was at a wedding oh, the other day. Yeah, I don't yeah. know, and I was actually on, on the on the lookout for fuckwits, and mm. I was sad. You know, sad. Uh, that there wasn't any, but there was one guy who I uh, saw. Who he's not watching. He like right in front of me. I was waiting for him. Just walks out. Just walks past, straight. You you walking past the sick. <laughs> it, we're still in the pandemic. <laughs> we are still in the pandemic. Because a part of me thought washing your hands religiously is going to be a great hangover from the pandemic. Yes. I thought that's something people will continue to It shouldn't have even been the thing that we needed to learn. <laughs> we should we should have been match fit heading into the pandemic. <laughs> but. Like and, and and this wasn't even like usually what happens is you know men um, early in the night you see them washing their hands and they're using the yeah. soap and then the, you know maybe an hour later they've had a few more drinks and they're not using the soap and then and then and then it becomes a very brief little just on the edge of the fingers and then yeah. and then by the you know, three or four hours like they're just waving to the sink on the way out it's like no you need to do it every time or, or this one where a bloke goes to the loo and then just doesn't even go to the sink goes to the hand dryer yeah. <laughs> so he dries the Piss straight so on his hands. Just, yeah, yes. <laughs> the other thing is, blokes who, when you're walking to the urinal, I've noticed this at the footy and the cricket a lot. Mm. Your penis comes out when you're at the urinal, <laughs> not at the door. <laughs> no, blokes come out. They got their wang out. <laughs> Bloody, and they've still got five meters to go. They're still in line. They're still a queue, mate. Put them away. There's a fucking six-year-old kid in front of you. Get them out. Put it back in the pants. You've got time. There's a game on, Pete. Yeah. Oh my god! Oh, and of course, there's a. There would be a formula to tell you how li- less likely you are to wash your hands the closer you are to the end of halftime. <laughs> <laughs> so I've got to get back. I've got to get to the bar. There's so much to do in that 20 minute halftime break. <sighs> Ah, uh, yes, clean your hands. The other one my wife says, Kel, uh, who you know, she hates going to fancy five-star restaurants that have uh, mixed toilets. Oh. Because then she'll go into the toilet and some bloke's pistol over the seat Yeah, and she's got to sit on that seat. Yeah. And now she's like, well, you can stick your five stars up your ass. I'd rather three stars with separate toilets. Yeah. So I don't have to deal with bloke piss all over the women's toilet seat. It is, I know everything's about equality these days, but there's nothing that's ever going to be equal in unisex toilets. They're just, <laughs> no. they're just not. I don't – do are women happy with unisex toilets? I wouldn't imagine so. I, I know, can't I imagine I know my so. wife's not a fan of the unisex toilet. No. I, 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 how are they winning? 
in that in that. <laughs> well, I guess this. Uh, how are women winning? Not at all. Not at all. They're not. Not, not at all. They're just not. There's not like they've got to deal with our stench for starters. Oh. Uh, <laughs> and there is they've got dealing with our stench, and they're not getting privacy. They would probably rather have. There's not a, a stench and a scent, but it's just yeah, like you said, the actual mm. the remains. So uh, some simple uh, life advice here uh, for fuckwits. Don't put your seat back in a plane mm. and uh, leave toilets in the state in which you found them. Mm. I think that's... And focus <laughs> on the lights when you are in grid position. <laughs> so, oh, yes. Even when you're standing in line, if you're not... A lot of people go, oh, I'm just going to hang back a little bit, mm. you know, and, and, and provide like a whole bunch of space between me and the next person. So I, know, I always say, give the people behind you hope that the line's moving. <laughs> it's, one of, it's one of my pet hates. Mm. It's one of my pet hates. I, you know, at an ATM machine, if there's a queue for an ATM machine, and you know, over polite people, they'll stand mm. like two metres back from the person who's at the machine. Yeah. Which is half a metre too too far now. Yeah, half a metre too far. You've got to you've got to push up. Yeah, you've got to push up. Yeah, as I always, I, I always say to the kids, you got to give them hope in the back. You got to let them know that the line's moving. You got to give them hope. I was once, although I hate people who push on. You know, an aero bridge when you're getting on a plane. Yep. Once you're on the aero bridge, all the hard work's done. Mm. You've checked your luggage. You've got your boarding pass. You've checked it with the flight attendant, and you're about to get on the plane. So that is time to chill. Yeah. Right. Yep. Yet people still push up right up behind you. Boy, and I'm like, what? Why? I had a guy once, because I was deliberately hanging back because he was pushing up against the back of me. He passed me on the aero queue. He walked around me. Mate. And I said to him, I said, mate, I think we're all going to get there at the same time. Right? <laughs> right? To which he said, then what's your problem? <laughs> oh, you you fuck with, I, I, mate. I'll get, I'll get, I'll go once more. At the end of the flight, mm. there's only one way to get off an aeroplane for it to be for it to work as a community of people who have travelled together to a destination. Yes, I'm sorry, and I'm sorry. This, you know, if, if, if the exit is only at the front, then you exit row by row from the front. And I'm sorry if that sounds like, you know, I'm defending you know, the rights of business class passengers against – if there's one at the back, it works the same way. Sometimes It's a back row. Sometimes there is one at the back. Absolutely. So it yeah. works the back row. You cannot, you cannot walk past people. <laughs> no, you cannot. That does not work as a system. No. I'm sorry. We're all we – all, nobody's hanging out of the plane afterwards. So we all want to get off the plane. <laughs> yeah. Life is a team sport. It's a team sport. <laughs> Uh, let's move on to politics, where the fuckwits are presenting themselves on a daily, bi-daily, tri-daily. Have you found some fuckwits in politics? <laughs> You're not you going to be. You've done your research. I've had to go to the states. Wow. Well, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Couldn't find any here. How about this headline? Um, a Nebraska state lawmaker apologised on Monday after he publicly cited a persistent but debunked rumour alleging that schools are placing litter boxes in school bathrooms <laughs> to accommodate children who identify as cats. Now, <laughs> now that is not happening. <laughs> it's just not happening. But this bloke, uh, it's a story that began on a Facebook group, some wild Facebook group. So it's actually not happening. It's not happening. So this is, okay. So, so this is a made-up story. To make the left seem like loonier than they correct. possibly are. Yeah. Yes, yes. Uh, and this bloke, this uh, Senator Bruce Bostelman, has run with it. Right. And he's, and he's gone with it uh, in the Senate. And he said, uh, 
He said, they meow and they bark and they interact with their teachers in this fashion. This is during a legislative debate. Wow, he's really wrong with it, hasn't he? He's really gone with it. Some detail. And he said, now schools are wanting to put litter boxes uh, in the schools for these children to use. How is this sanitary? <laughs> and he's, so, he's, just, he's just run with it off the back of this uh, Facebook group. Who, how, uh, how do you just, well, you buy into it because it fits your narrative, I guess. Yes, that's all it is. And you don't bother fact-checking these things, I mean, the, do you? We've discussed this before. There's the two of us. The, the, most, the two most damaging words that have arose in the last, you know, six years is, yeah. is fake news, fake you know, because like yeah. you don't need to argue anything. You don't need to debate anything. You just say fake news and that is enough for you to believe something. And, and, and there would be no doubt. People who would still believe, like, and, and I, that, well, yeah, mud sticks. And the problem with this story is, people do still believe it. Yeah, of course okay? they do. So this guy's come out and apologised and said, "All right, there, there was no story there, I won't go." But of course, the original story is the one. It's like when they put an apology in the paper on page seven. Yeah. Oh, the headline we printed two days ago was wrong. It's like, no, no one's reading the apology. So this story originated in the states uh, back in January. Well, it popped up here last week. The Courier Mail, this is on Media Watch, uh, the Courier Mail printed a story saying that Brisbane Girls Grammar was doing the same thing. Completely made up story, again. 100% not true. Sky News went hard on it. Of course. (laughs) Saying that these girls. would have been ripeable. Saying that these girls were also cutting holes in their dresses where their tails would go. Well, not only have they run with it, but they've really <laughs> yeah, yeah. added some flourishes. They've, I mean, how does any of this help anyone anywhere in the world? Well, it helps. It helps. Like I said, it's a narrative, uh, and it is. It is. It, it's. It's depressing. It really is. <laughs> like, if you want to debate, you know, your side of politics, I don't know why anyone would really like go head on into pinning themselves up with any political party, to be absolutely honest. Hey, let's go to the UK. A Tory MP, David Warburton. Are you across this guy's work? Warbo. <laughs> Tell us about Warbo. Well, there's th- three issues here with Warbo. Let's go to the most boring of them first. He borrowed £100,000 from some Russian dude and didn't declare it. That's a bit weird. Not a fun time to be doing that. No. Uh, next up, there's a few women have alleged some pretty inappropriate behaviour. Uh, from him, three women at least, <clears throat> and uh, he's denying the charges. But uh, these women are saying he behaved really badly, including encouraging them to buy drugs for him, uh, uh, inappropriate sexual behaviour. One of the women said he grabbed her thigh whilst they were at the British Kebab Awards. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> now, that stood out to me because <laughs> that's obviously inappropriate that he grabbed her thigh, but equally inappropriate, I guess, that he's at the British Kebab Awards. Yes. <laughs> what, what makes a good kebab these days? I want who, who does the judging? I want to know who won now. I just like the idea of whoever wins is getting up and they're this face smeared with kebab and garlic sauce. And do, do you have to be drunk to judge a good kebab, <laughs> by the way? Everyone has to be drunk to be there, to present yeah. To sit in the audience. Uh, so, and the third thing that's emerged, and this is sort of where the comedy is, uh, a photo has emerged of him sitting next to a plate with a whole bunch of lines of cocaine on the plate. I think you're going to say he was trying to have sex with a kebab. <laughs> well, I'm sure he maybe did try to stick it in a kebab at some point, <laughs> uh, if you read the stories. Uh, he's saying this is a stitch-up. Uh, he at one point said that he has a lot of dandruff and... <laughs> 
And sometimes he <laughs> gathers the dandruff and arranges the dandruff into lines. <laughs> and he said, I know it's a weird habit, but it's no, not illegal. No shit. <laughs> He would have been better off by saying the dance sometimes falls in in perfectly straight lines, short lines. The old, uh, it's not pure, it's been cut with lice. This, uh... How do you, because um, whenever I've had any dandruff and, you know, uh, you know, maybe when I was younger, there was a you know, short time where I had a little bit of a dry scalp or something. Mm. I don't know. But I think I've had it at one point. But you, don't you just brush it off? Isn't that like the, the way does it you, you, know, you don't like oh, individually no. go around. and uh, No, he doesn't brush it off. He leaves it there. And he says to people, say hello to my little friends. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, no one was buying it. And uh, and then the story changed. It was a stitch up. It was This was a Russian hit job. Uh, and it's a photoshopped photo. But I don't think you can move from one excuse to the next. I think that kind of undermines what you're trying to achieve. Mm. Has Nadia uh, Bartel got dandruff? <laughs> any chance? She should have gone with that. She should have gone with the dandruff. Nadia, come on. On the $3 Kmart plate. Uh, this bloke also says that uh, during the lockdown, he, he was carrying a bit of weight. He says he lost 50 kilos uh, working out during lockdown. I think we might have worked out how he lost his weight. <laughs> Uh, during the lockdown, uh, but Tory MP David Warburton, watch this space. He is a uh, he's a real piece of work. That bloke. Um, let's move on to sport, Peter Heller. Yep. You're a man who loves your sport. You love your so footy. Port fans uh, recently booed their own team from the ground. Is mm. this? Acceptable behaviour, or is this fuckwit behaviour? We saw it a lot with Richmond over these. They're the club that's kind of famous. Well, for that, it. yeah, Richmond, yeah, probably are the most famous club. They once delivered a, a pile of uh, horse manure. <laughs> yes, or manure. You know, um, I'm assuming it was horse manure. Um, it may have actually been just shit from the supporters um, <laughs> and delivered to the, the doorstep of the club. Yeah. Um, they spat on the, the coach, the, the the late great Danny Frawley. That's right. Um, you know, tore up their you know, membership cards and uh, delivered them. And, and so, you know, I think there are creative ways of doing it. I'm not sure if those are exactly how to go about it, uh, voicing my dissent. I don't like booing. I don't, no, I don't, I don't boo my own team ever. No, I don't, th- I don't think you can boo your own team. I think that's a rule we can roll with. Yeah. You do, do not boo your own team because no matter what it looks like from the outside, they, they are trying. Oh, absolutely. They are trying. And, and it's, you know, it's easy when you're looking at to be hypercritical, but, you know, having spoken to a few AFL players, mm. you know, they are always trying. Yeah, well, and we did, for those who don't know, we did a, a footy show together for many, many years. And um, and when you meet these these young athletes, um, you, you do very quickly realise, which which maybe embarrassingly came as a shock to me, mm. that they care more about it than you do. <laughs> <laughs> Like they yeah. really do. Like they're, they're, they're best, they've invested their life every day of the week into preparing and executing uh, a system. And we, we go and we drink a couple of beers at the footy and we hope the team wins. And we are invested. Like, yeah. you know, we are emotionally invested. We really want uh, our team to succeed. But it means more to them than it does to us, no matter how much you care about it. Yeah. If nothing else, it's their job. Yes. And they've got mortgages yeah. like the rest of us. Absolutely. But mm. I, I, um, yeah, I had to have a, you know, a, a chat to you know a relative of mine who who um, had a, a few years ago 
had a go at uh, Pendles. Um, and it was a very out of the blue kind of thing. At a game over at, the at, fence? At a game, yeah, at, at a game. So could Pendles hear what he No, was? he wouldn't be able right. to hear. Was, yeah, we get a few more numbers at our games from Hawthorne. <laughs> um, you know. That's, you can, you yeah. can hear, it's like a game of Sheffield Shield cricket. <laughs> <laughs> you can hear the echo across the stadium. And I just said to him, I said, nah, I'm drawing the line, mate. You cannot have a go at Scott Pendlebury. No. Like, he's our captain no. and he, he is so rarely makes a mistake yeah. that, that when he does... You yeah. can't you can't lay lay into him. So I, I, I'm not a fan of booing. To be honest, I'm not mm. like anti booing. The, the, the booing, I, the Adam Goods booing was a different thing, and I was I yeah. hated that, and I spoke yes. out about that at the time, and I, I hated it. It was it was really I was really uncomfortable with that and where that was coming from. There was an incident on the weekend at the Collingwood game, which I haven't kind of seen the whole game. I was I was at a wedding. It was Collingwood versus Geelong. And Joel Selwood, who's a champion of our game, and it was mm. had broken the record for the most amount of um, uh, games uh, captained from a club. Extraordinary. And I, I've met Joel uh, before. Like a lovely guy, but one of the toughest nuts yep. on the field. There was some criticism of, of fans booing, and I was like, "Yeah, why would they? Yeah, don't boo him on these, you know, this record-breaking oh, yeah. game." But then you find out like, he has he has put one of our pl- young players in a chokehold. Um, and it's and it's like for me, if you cast yourself as a villain within a game, yeah, I, I feel like almost it starts a game yeah. when when the, when the ball bounces. <clears throat> but within that game, if you cast yourself as a villain, fairly rightly or wrongly, as far as obviously there'll be different interpretations yeah. of what's happened. Maybe that Collingwood player Jack Jennifer had done something to Selwood that the Collingwood fans are conveniently ignoring. But if you cast yourself, that's that's kind of part of it. I'm t- I'm totally fine with that booing. Yeah, 100%. What about booing of a player who's now at a new club and they play the first game against oh, their old club? I always think that's just a bit of fun. I, I agree. I uh, think it's a bit of fun. I think the player probably expects it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't like it when if the player was basically told to leave, like, you know. Um, oh, if they were sacked by the if club. If they were sacked. Right. Like, they were, I, I was relieved. <laughs> that, that would be a bit rough. Yeah. To I'll, be sacked, then booed. Well, I haven't, I've heard it before, but I was relieved that, like, when Adam Trelaw left Collingwood. Yeah. Under, under kind of kind of sad circumstances, um, he didn't want to leave. I'm glad, and we played them round one. I'm glad there wasn't booing on that occasion. Yeah. And when Hawthorne played Brisbane. Uh, Hodgie wasn't booed. Yeah. In, he... fact, in fact, I think with Jalor, there was applause whenever he got the ball. Oh, yeah, right. Him, okay. You know. Yeah, that's that's nice. Uh, what about booing the Australian Prime Minister? Oh, now, I mean, specifically, that's... specifically, it happened at the Shane Bourne Memorial, which I I think Warney would have been happy with it. <laughs> yeah. I think it would have gotten the, gotten the nod of approval from Warney. Uh, I'm happy with blanket booing of the Australian Prime Minister. I, th- I mean, I think it's 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 a phenomenon. It's a worldwide <laughs> phenomenon. I, I, you know, very rarely do you see a political leader get cheered at a sporting event. So I think it becomes sometimes it's tongue in cheek. You, you can always tell when it's a bit tongue in cheek or a bit kind of mm. you know half ass. And there are times when it's really real. And, yeah. uh, and I'm up for both of them. Yeah, I'm up. <laughs> I'm up for both as well. It's a quirky one for this pod. The bloke who. This is out of America again. We're going to talk about uh, anti-vaxxers shortly, but this is an anti-masker in the States who refused to put on a mask going into a a waffle house in America. And uh, masks were compulsory inside the waffle Mm. house, so staff told him he couldn't come in. And he said, well, I'm coming in anyway. And they said, well, you can't. 
And then he gave a speech about freedoms and bills of rights and amendments, oh, of course. Et because it's, it's a freedom. It's a freedom. <laughs> My freedom, freedom is being attacked. Yeah. Uh, and they said, well, it doesn't matter, mate. You can't come in. And there was a scuffle and they threw him out on the street. Now, the guy uh, left, okay? Yeah. But because it's America, he returned 30 minutes later with a gun. Right? Oh. Walked in, he said. Escalated? He's escalated quickly. He walked in, he said, what are you going to do now? And he walked in and he robbed the place. Yes. <laughs> okay. Now, my how, po- how many waffles did he take? My point, I don't know how many waffles he took, but my point being, if ever there was an occasion when you should <laughs> be wearing a mask, <laughs> it is when you conduct an armed robbery. <laughs> So, as it's said in the story, uh, staff were able to provide a very accurate description of the man <laughs> and police went and arrested him and he only stole chicken and waffles. He didn't steal any cash. No money. No money at all, which is a t- tough time in prison when you're all comparing your crimes, I imagine. <laughs> now, we are recording this uh, just seven days after the Oscars. I realise it's coming out quite a bit later than that. Apologies for the... Uh, uh, for the lack of uh, currentness there. Chris Rock's handling of the situation was so impressive because imagine if he was the guy who did want to, you know, continue that and the scuffle. And, and well, uh, imagine an, or like a brawl breaking out on stage. I have thought about that. Will Smith, by the way, is our fuckwit of the week. Keep my wife's name out your fucking mouth! I have thought about, you know, sometimes you put yourself in these situations. Mm. You just go, what would I have done if I was Chris Rock yeah. in that situation? And I probably would have done something similar to him, I guess. But a part of you, is wouldn't it have been great if he just chased after him? And decked him. <laughs> Gave him a wet willy <laughs> or a Chinese burn. <laughs> but I don't know if he just like shoved him or tripped him up or gave him a little clip from behind. And then, imagine then, and it turns into a full-on fight. And then the orchestra starts playing, like, actually scoring it <laughs> as it's going on. <laughs> Just the yeah. Eye of the Tiger. Yeah. <laughs> from Hans Zimmer. <laughs> the playing Eye of the Tiger while they're punching on. Oh, God, Amy Schumer comes out and starts commentating it. It would have been weird. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. Will Smith just smacked the out of me. Now, and what about this? Does they say, well, they asked Will Smith to leave and he said no. To which I say, that's not much of a security system, guys, I've got to say. <laughs> yes. Yeah. What, so what could have they done? So let's say the security guys go out to Will Smith and they say, you have to leave. He says no. Yeah. What, could, what, could, what would what would What they, they should have done is gone over, walked over to Jason Moama and The Rock and gone, guys, oh, can you help him? Will Smith's not leaving. God, yeah, can you great. help him? That's Help that's, him get out. Let's carry him out. Imagine Jason Moama <laughs> and The Rock oh, carrying can... Will Smith, like actually, like up, up under his arms, and his like legs are like <laughs> flailing <laughs> underneath. You know? Or you get all of the Avengers, all of them. Chris Hemsworth, yes, uh, and the others, all the others, <laughs> Ruffalo, Ruffalo, Scarlett uh, Johansson, yeah, who's Iron Man, um, Robert Downey Jr., Robert Downey Jr., yeah. All of and them. They, and they remove Will Smith from the premises. I like it. Yeah. I would have – what's interesting actually I find is the thought that it's. I think it's been rumoured, I'm not sure if it's been officially kind of uh, said, that Chris Rock did not actually know that Jada Pinkett Smith had alopecia. I didn't know. Well, that's what, that's what, yeah. Are you confirming that or are you just, oh, No, I'm asking because I was curious about that. Because it felt really strange to me and I actually did say I thought this joke was below – Chris Rock. Yeah, right. Thinking that he knew. 
Um, so, and he made two really great gags beforehand. Yep. And, and, and I just thought he was a bit of a, a, a passing kind of joke because he had mentioned Will Smith in the last gag. I got a big mm. laugh. Will Smith was laughing about it. And then he said, yeah, J- uh, Jada, can't wait to see G.I. Jane too. Um, and I thought it was just like a way maybe to, to, you know, a quick one to move on. And and I thought that's that's kind of below you. It's not a great mm. gag. However, you really kind of, you know, mash it up, particularly, you know, if if, if he knows that he's, she's got alopecia. If he doesn't know, because when, that's when he said – it's a G.I. Jane joke. Yeah, he yeah. said that. And I <laughs> yeah. thought I was like, well, but is it? Because yeah. if you know she's got alopecia, yeah, it's not yeah. a G.I. Jane joke. It's an alopecia joke. If she, if he doesn't know, it makes more sense to me because it, it was such a weird average joke. And I don't think Chris Rock would live and die by even that, that joke if he doesn't know. But it's just like it's it's, it's a quick one. It's quick. you got a shaved head. You're at the Oscars. Not many people, you know, women yeah. have got shaved heads at the Oscars. Come out to see G.I. Jane too. Move on. So I think when Will Smith came up, he was laughing. Oh, here we go! Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. he thought this was going to be a bit, and he got smacked in the face. And it's like, whoa! It was. It, it, it would have only been weird if Will Smith had turned around and announced that La La Land won the Oscar. <laughs> that would have only been how it could have possibly gotten weirder. That, uh, and he, Will, Chris Rock, improvised that joke as well. It wasn't part of his script. I, yeah, right. Yes, I've heard that. So yes. Yeah. Yeah, it, ma- it, ma- it makes more sense to me and it makes it, the evidence kind of – all the evidence is to be on, on Team Rock's, you know, side. But, uh, um, and then I loved how other people just got dragged into it, into the orbit. If you watch Trending on Twitter, all yeah. of a sudden Demi Moore was trending on Twitter <laughs> because of G.I. Jane. Then Ricky Gervais was trending because yeah. people were saying, hey, didn't he get punched in the face over the years? Uh, and then The Rock was trending just because his name is the same as Chris Rock. <laughs> Uh, then Dave Chappelle was trending because people wanted to know Dave Chappelle's opinion on what was going on. It's it, it's funny because if you think about it, like Will, the damage Will Smith has done to his own reputation. He 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 went to the Academy Awards, the most maybe the most popular movie star in the world, well, and and like yeah. really genuinely loved. And I've interviewed Will Smith a couple of times, and he's always been really delightful. In fact, he yeah. he was one of the ones in the early few years where, where we interviewed. Uh, on, on on Rove Live and on radio, where I thought he's in the top echelon of yeah, like right. lovely people to interview. Yep. Um, it's a while ago. I haven't interviewed him for a while. So, so he he, he walks there like one of the not, not you know reputation was one of the nice guys. People love his movies. He's nominated for this Oscar. And he's the favorite to win. And then he leaves with his reputation in tatters. And one of the most yeah, you know, hated people in the world mm. at that point. And everyone, I know everyone had different sides and all that, but he was certainly the one in the spotlight. Like, if you had told Will Smith that, he must have gone, what What the fuck did I do? <laughs> what happened? Did I, like, did I take a shit on Jane Doody Dench? Did I? <laughs> what the, no, mate. You went on stage and you punched Chris Rock he during punched, the he broadcast. Chris Rock. Did I? What? Did I ghost Eliza Minnelli down the stairs? Like, what What did I do? Did I need to watch this broadcast. I want to know what happens. I think it's uh, – and there's just a build-up of too much Will Smith, Jada Pinkett Smith gear. And I think all of it, that was just the final little straw well, this is that my, broke the camel's back. Yes. This is um, – because there was a joke that Rebel Wilson made at the BAFTAs a week or so before, and the, and this is when Will Smith was in the room, and Rebel Wilson makes the joke, 
the best I've seen Will Smith act is when I see him pretending he doesn't care about Jada Pinkett Smith's extramarital affairs. Right. <laughs> it gets a big laugh. It's it good, gets it all. It's good gear. It's it's a good joke by Rebel. <clears throat> yeah. That's that's why she's hosting. And very cutting edge. And so I I, I suspect that it was a straw that broke the camel's back. But yeah. he he yeah. was just he was on edge already. And uh, the very mere mention of it triggered something in him, and um, you know, probably hard, a lot harder to do that to Rebel, Rebel Wilson than it is uh, to Chris Rock. I mean, that's the other interesting thing. Who you know, he picked his. Yes, it was a reaction, but it, what if it was Rebel Wilson on stage making that joke, or, or Jason Moama on the other end of it? Uh, yeah, going, yeah. Do I really want to? I'm like, I probably won't get away with punching you know, Jason Moama. Who wouldn't he go? Okay, Mickey Rourke. Mickey Rourke. <laughs> <laughs> Mickey Rock would have gone after him. Mickey Rock is the only person at the Academy Awards who's been in the audience and in the in memoriam package at the same time. I'm pretty sure. He does not look good, does he? He's looked rough for a long time, uh, Mickey Rock. Um, so I was thinking of Mickey Rooney. Sorry. <laughs> oh, well, Mickey Rock is going to apply for Mickey Rock as well. Hang on. Mickey Rooney, That's a that would be a weird way to say Mickey Rooney's going to punch him back. Imagine, imagine, Mickey, imagine if he got him a punch, Mickey, the late Mickey Rooney. Oh. Uh, well, Will Smith's in for a rough year because did you see that dude, August, whatever his name is? Yeah, he's come out. And... Who Jada Pinkett Smith had an affair with. Yep. And he is friends with that son. That's how they met, this guy. Oh, so he had an affair with Jada. He's now writing a book. He's written a song too with uh, lyrics yeah, that oh, pertain to oh, the affair. Right. And oh, God. So if if a joke from Chris Rock gets a slap in the face, I don't know what this dude can expect. A <laughs> After a book and a song. It's a Molotov cocktail, the, uh, the launch party. <laughs> Indeed. Anyway, Will Smith, uh, straight after it happened, Will Smith went to Dubai, which he may have had planned f- for months. Beforehand, he may have, Uh, but the headlines always say fleas. (laughs) Will Smith flees to Dubai. (laughs) He doesn't uh, take his holiday. It will be very interesting, even you know, um, seven weeks, six months, a year's time. Whether you know, I think, I think Hollywood love. I think people love a comeback story, and I think that was, Mm. and I think Hollywood get it wrong sometimes. I mean, you you see the um, when Polanski won the the Oscar. And there's everyone like there's Scorsese and they're clapping so, so hard for him. It's like no, this is a convicted rapist, rapist who's not coming <laughs> yeah. back to face charges. Like there's sometimes where the comeback story shouldn't happen. Yeah, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. And I'm not putting Will Smith in the Polanski category, but it's 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 like he did, he did commit an act of violence on on somebody doing their job, doing their job exactly. And that's when they said, oh, are, they, are the Academy going to take his award away? Well, if they take Will Smith's away. There's a lot of other people who need to have their awards taken away. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you got Harvey well, Weinstein. Pol- Pol- Polanski being one, Harvey Weinstein being another one. Kevin Spacey. And the Kevin Spacey. And the, and the list goes on and on. There'll be on. no awards left. There'll be no actually Oscar winners. <laughs> who won the Oscars in 1987? No one. They were cancelled. <laughs> Fuckwits in history. Today, uh, we're going to have a look at Alfred Nobel. Are you across his work, Pete? Yes, at Nobel Peace Prize. Nobel Peace Prize, that's right. Mm. Alfred Nobel also invented dynamite. Did you know about this? No. He uh, was was an inventor, Alfred Nobel. Invented a lot of things. Uh, dynamite, his most famous invention, that was the invention that made him rich. And uh, he was one of, the mo- one of the wealthiest men on the planet 
uh, in the late 1800s. Made a fortune out of dynamite. Also uh, had some steel patents that revolved around the making of cannons. Uh, he did make some other explosives as well. Uh, the explosives sometimes used for good in mining, but largely used in war. Anyway, Alfred Noble's brother died, and a paper in Paris thought it was Alfred Noble that died and wrote an obituary. So Alfred Noble actually got to read his own obituary in the paper, and the headline was, The Merchant of Death is Dead. And it said, Dr. Alfred Noble, who became rich by finding ways to kill more people faster than ever before, died yesterday. And then he just got absolutely flogged in the obituary as being a horrible human being and the merchant of death was the uh, headline. And he was shocked that this was how people felt about him. Shocked that he was a fuckwit. He had no idea that he was a fuckwit. Um, and then took it upon himself uh, to leave a lasting positive legacy, which is why he started the Nobel Prizes. Oh. Yes. So, so who's the fuckwit here? Well, he was a fuckwit. <laughs> he was a fuckwit. He was a fuckwit. So, so and this is a lesson. Real- it's a lesson. He realised he was a fuckwit when he read his own obituary, mm. mistakenly written because it was his brother that died, uh, and then he uh, shifted his legacy in a fresh direction. I uh, wonder if like, I wonder if you invented dynamite. Yes. If you would know how, like, would, you, would he be thinking this can only be used? Like, was, was he thinking yeah. about mining? Was he thinking like, was it? I, I don't know. Like to, to, to slightly defend him. Mm. Like I can understand uh, certain uh, things that have used that seem like they're, they're designed for war, and obviously, it dynamite. Might... I I'm thinking out loud here. I haven't thought about this. Sure, but I, I feel like did he deserve um, that obituary? Because I do wonder um, if, if if he was thinking it could be used in in other ways as well. I think though, so the counter arguments that would be even if he did invent it, say purely for mining, he still profited off. He still profited, yeah, yeah, off the use of it in war. Did you so, know uh, the Von Trapps in the Sound of Music? The Von Trapps. The Von this Trapps. is a documentary, World War Two documentary. Yes, yeah, no, this yeah. is the from the Sound of Music, the family, uh, and the, the story of the Von Trapps that they obviously go off and they. They're, they're singers that the kids sing, and, and the whole yep. family, the Von Trapp family, singers. Mm. And they, uh, Maria, played by Julie Andrews, she goes and lives with the Von Trapps, uh, and kind of falls in love with the kids, and then falls in love with the captain, and and, uh, and that goes out. But they live in this massive house. Yes. And um, this backstory is not given uh, in the movie, uh, but the money does not come from Captain Von Trapp, who was a naval officer uh, in the Austrian army. It can't. It comes from his uh, wife. Whose grandfather invented the torpedo? Really? Yes, it's torpedo money. <laughs> and her uncle, her uncle, I just her uncle I, invented I, the drop pump. <laughs> I was just, I was really on the fence, going, "Is this some sort of real weird backstory to this?" No, no, this is a true. St- this is a true story. I, I haven't, t- I haven't made up that just to get to a drop punch gag. <laughs> so that is a true story. True story about and that was torpedo money. The money all came from, um, yeah, all came from. Do, and then I'll give you some a little bit more uh, uh, sentiment info, which yeah. is interesting. They fled. Mm. They fled, 
and uh, they had to. The Nazis wanted them to not only uh, not only for the um, uh, captain to go and and work for them. They, there was another son who was a doctor. They wanted him to become a doctor for the Nazis, mm. and they also wanted the family to sing Happy Birthday to Hitler live on radio. So there's a few things that they wanted the, them to oh. do. So they fled for those reasons. But then they fled. They didn't flee over the mountains because they were actually in the movie. They're actually heading towards Germany, which doesn't make sense. But they, they got on the train and they eventually ended up in America. But they, they left their house and uh, Heinrich Himmler ended up basically living in the house. Right. In so, that giant house. In the with, giant house. Bit with torpedo money. With torpedo money. Right. Hitler would often visit <laughs> and stay in the Von Trapp house. Right. So if you think about it, a lot of the planning of the war and like the atrocities of the war actually happened in the Von Trapp the family von- house. So the von Trapps were front and center in a in a very real way. Yeah, in the capital. Well, tor- I never I never thought I'd hear the, the line "torpedo money built that house." <laughs> <laughs> it, it did. It did. There we go. And then um, it was uh, Nazi scientists were recruited after the war into the American space race. So a lot yes, of Nazis right, yeah, were told, yeah. oh, don't worry about that, what happened in that, yeah, we will forgive that you European... We'll forgive you this once, you skellywag. That European business. Can we get mm. a rocket to the moon? Mm. Um, so really, uh, the Von Trapps uh, put Neil Armstrong on the moon. That, that's a take-out. <laughs> that's, that's a take-out. That, that is the take-away. Take one thing. It's time for a deep dive into fuckwits. And now, Pete, both you and I have done a bit of gear on anti-vaxxers over the... Yeah, well, past little period. When I announced my COVID uh, diagnosis, um, there was a lovely wave of support <laughs> yeah. on my Instagram page yes. for about twenty-four hours, and then yeah. a, a second wave came through, <laughs> and they were uh, less supportive and less au fait with science. <laughs> right. And they they all done their own research, and they all live their lives in capital letters. Hang on, but Pete, it's a conspiracy theory. What do you say about that? Well, yes, yeah, so it's all, it's all five G. They tell me it's five G, and uh, my argument would be that do you really believe that this federal government, who couldn't organise a fucking NBN rollout, <laughs> could really would really give us free five G and not take any credit for it whatsoever? Uh, but what about? But you don't know what's in it. Don't know what's in it. That's the other argument. They say you don't know what's in it. My argument to that is I'm a comedian. Why would I actually know what's in it? I listen to the experts. I listen to the experts. I don't know what's in anything. I buy a packet of Alan's Party Mix and inhale it in about 30 seconds, and then I get the sweats and feel faint for half an hour. I've never once looked what's in it. I once uh, had a dim sim in Kalgoorlie that was fried, and I'm pretty sure it fucking blinked. If you've ever eaten a service station hot dog, you're in no position to step back and say, what's in it? But to us, Pete, and to a lot of people, the facts are irrefutable. Mm. Getting vaccinated is a smart thing to do. So I want to understand the psychology of the anti-vaxxers. Why are some people so drawn to the anti-vax movement? We are not qualified to answer this question, so we're calling in an expert. He's a psychiatrist, media commentator, and professor at Melbourne Uni, Steve Allen. Thanks for joining us, Steve. G'day, Limo. G'day, Pete. Hey, Steve. Uh, can you answer our question? What is the psychology behind people being drawn to the anti-vax movement? You know, I can have a bash. Although we've been, you know, we've been looking at this now for decades because conspiracy theories, as you know, have been around forever. Especially conspiracy theories about vaccines, and so. 
you know, they're, they're not uncommon. And there has been a, a ton of research, and it sort of probably goes down two lines. It goes down the psychological line, like what is it that make these people tick who believe in conspiracies in particular? Not that all anti-vaxxers are conspiracy theories. And then the sort of societal factors, what's happening in the media and all that sort of stuff that uh, encourages people to believe these things more readily than perhaps in, in times past. I've been following some of these. I had to stop watching because I was becoming too obsessed with it. But these uh, videos that are coming from these protests in Canberra, and it, it is easy to you know uh, dismiss everybody as crazy or having mental health issues. But watching them, I can understand. I don't agree with their arguments, but I can understand the feeling of community that these people are feeling. Like they're basically being ostracized by uh, you know they feel ostracized, and it's almost like it's a, it's a it's a a festival for them you know they're, they're sharing food they're like they're setting up their mm. tents there is a sense of community there is, is that is that part of a part of this like the, the, this, this sense of belong, belonging yes there, look one of the factors that often comes through is a certain degree of arrogance in people who are um who hold uh, alternative views to the mainstream often they feel that they're a little bit smarter a little bit better and similarly the groups are often you know fun to be part of because groups talk a lot about things like the sheep out there who don't, you mm. know, who just follow the government, stuff like that. So they have a sense of being a little bit superior at times. But um, just to unpack that a little bit further, of course, most people who are, um, are against the vaccine aren't conspiracy theorists. That's probably mm. worth noting because when you see some of these big groups out there, you know, there's a whole lot of people who just hold genuine beliefs. They're not people who have, think that there's a conspiracy going on. They're not people who think that, you know, that there's a group of people, the government or the drug companies trying to con them. They're just a genuine group of people who believe there's not enough evidence yet. Now, we sometimes call them vaccine hesitant rather than vaccine resistance. So there's sort of, there's sort of you can probably divide the vaccine group into two groups, the uh, conspiracy theorists and the people who just aren't yet convinced. So we've got our conspiracy theorists and let's call them the vaccine hesitant crew. With the, yep. con with the conspiracy theorists, it, is it safe to say that they are quite probably drawn to a whole suite of conspiracies? As Not, a general rule, yeah. If yeah. you believe in one conspiracy, you're more likely to believe in others. And there's sort of, there's in essence, there's sort of four key characteristics that people notice about, you know, those who are more prone to believe in conspiracies. And some of them are good characteristics. Like the first one is they tend to be curious. They tend to be people who are really curious about the world and just want to know bucket loads of information. Then the second key characteristic is they tend to be people who haven't had a lot of training in evaluating information. Now, the reason I choose my words carefully is I'm not saying that they've got lower IQs, often not at all. Often they're pretty smart people, but they just haven't had as much education. So they haven't studied much science and they don't know how. They don't know the principles of weighing up one bit of evidence against another. And then the other two um, issues we've touched on, they tend to be slightly arrogant, believe their own believe their own um, ideas are always superior to others. And then the, the final one, which is pretty obvious, is that they tend to be a little bit paranoid, people who tend to believe that the world is out to get them. So they're the sort of four key things that come across no matter, you know, what conspiracy. They're the four characteristics that we usually find. The media has expanded so much through the internet and there's so many different sources of media now from, the, you know, the fully educated, you know, 10 years of journalism study, been in the business for years, 
through to you know people writing their own blogs and stuff on uh, Facebook and whatnot. So the media, I think trust in the media is an all-time low. And I also think that because of our widespread access to information, in a sense, trust in our governments and our institutions is a little bit low because, you know, now every time there's some scandal in the world, we all hear about it. We know that different governments manipulate the media. And so we're all a little bit suspicious there. And, uh, and then the bottom line is evidence is bloody hard to evaluate. It's just really hard. No matter how much you know about stuff, there is so much information out there at the moment in of all sorts that it's just incredibly hard to know which bits to believe and which bits not to believe, even if you even if you know you're the most educated person in the country. Steve, what, what, we were chatting earlier, what damage has the words fake news had? Because you feel like now people don't need to even engage or, or debate a topic. They just, if, if something's thrown at them, mm. they can just reply with fake news, and for them, the issue is over. Yeah. Like, there's no need to to engage. Yeah, it is a catch cry. Um, I agree, and it is damaging because, in essence, you're throwing the baby out with the bathwater. You throw out, you throw out the comment fake news, and you're, and you're basically saying, "I'm not going to listen to any evidence that you're providing me. I'm only going to be- listen to the stuff I believe." And uh, you, you, it's it's become the catch cry of, "I, you know, I don't want to know what your evidence is. I'm only interested in my belief systems." And so, yeah, I agree, it's damaging. But at the same time, you know. Um, you know, it's, it's our own fault. You know, we we did this to ourselves, so, so to speak. So, uh, and there, you know, there is a lot of fake news. There is a lot of stuff out there that is clearly fake. And so, um, you know, it's just it's it's challenging. You know, I I, I hesitate to criticise people who uh, who uh, don't believe in institutions these days because there's you know there is enough evidence out there to know that you do have to question the stuff that you hear. Yeah, so and, and kind I, of both ways. I, I completely agree with that. But this, this idea, you know, of those who who actually, you know, the, the the top line conspiracy where the coronavirus as a whole was a hoax. The idea that you know governments, you know, conservative and progressive governments can get together and work this out, and, and media, you know, uh, you know, right wing, left wing media can get together and agree on terms. Uh, that you know, um, that the scientists and science can get together and, and work this out with no paper trail is quite an incredible. I mean, as a rollout, it, it, it's certainly better than the NBN. Yeah. Well, you know, you, that is a, that is often the very best argument against the conspiracy. That uh, you know, anyone who has ever worked in an organisation of more than ten people knows that the idea that you can keep a secret is bullshit. You just can't. <laughs> it always gets out, and so that is normally your number one defence against the conspiracy. You know, you honestly believe that the moon landing was faked, and no one there must have been hundreds involved, and not one person's ever come clean, even on their deathbed. You know, mm. the idea that we can keep humans humans cannot keep secrets in the slightest, and so I agree with you there. Uh, well, I always say to moon conspiracy theorists, if they got away with it once, why did they fake it another five times? <laughs> Surely you'd, you'd, you'd cash your chips once uh, you got away with it once. And also we see with with the vaccination, so I had a, a Steve, a friend of mine, was in Canberra walking through a park with a mate and a dog started coming towards him and my mate went to pat the dog Uh and the dog was on a really long leash and the owner of the dog pulled the dog back a bit and said, hey, mate, you vaccinated? And my mate goes, yeah, 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 I'm vaccinated. Then he, this guy continued to pull his dog away and said, well, I don't want any of your vaccination germs on my dog. 
was the other way. I thought you were going to head down the path of can you catch COVID from animals, yeah. which apparently you can. But, um, yeah, but that's – well, early on, remember, too, there were people putting up signs saying they didn't want vaccinated people into their hairdressing shop and this sort of business because of – you know, because if you believe in the full-on theories, then I suppose you believe that, um, you know, vaccinated people pose a risk to the non-vaccinated. Well, I suppose were... that actually follows in a sense, even though it's, it sounds crazy. Well, there was even a school in Miami that told vaccinated students to stay home. Yeah, well, you know, it's getting politicised, though, more in the United States, not so much in Australia, in fact, not at all, I don't think, you know, it's heavily politicised. So, you know, it's almost, you know, if you identify as certain political groups, it's given that you will believe certain um, so-called facts or ideas about science, you know, yeah. they, which is even weirder. You know, that's not even on conspiracies. That's basically saying my politics will determine my other beliefs. And you know, that that really sort of surprised that I think, you know, <laughs> they're going too far. How they politicise face masks was quite incredible, really. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. how, how you can politicise hygiene is is, is remarkable. You look, and it comes down to their lack of faith in their institutions. You know, they've got some mm. of the, you know, the United States in particular, some of the top institutions in the world, like the CDC and, you know, those sorts of organisations. And uh, when you're losing faith in that level of knowledge, you know, who do you trust? You, mm. you, you sort of, you, you're sort of adrift in the sea of um, at this stage in and you really just have to follow personalities rather than uh, ideas. You've, you've lost any sort of sense of attachment to evaluating evidence, and now you're just following personalities, mm. people that you love and trust for whatever reason. Does the scientific community feels like uh, feel like it's been undermined over the last few years? Do you feel like the the trust is still there in the scientific community? Yeah, I, I think the trust is still there. If you look at, you know, you only have to flick on the news and, you know, uh, in fact, it's better because you flick on the news now and, and there'll be two or three top scientists on the news. You know, five years ago, you'd be lucky to get one. I think, in if, if anything, the pandemic has strengthened the role of science in a whole lot of ways. In, in fact, I think it's been phenomenal from that perspective. For the first time in history, we've got governments putting scientists on every committee. We've got governments turning to scientists and asking what we should do. I've also noticed that the governments are taking climate change much more seriously, and I reckon that's on the back of the pandemic. I reckon even though there's mm. been a lot of anti-science rhetoric, Overall, my gut feeling of, you know, having been in the media 20-odd years is that we've never been more listened to. So I think it's actually – I think it's been a, a bonus in terms of science has came up with some massive answers. You know, fancy coming up with a vaccine after about 10 months. That, that's yeah. just – you know, people five years ago would have said that's utter bullshit. It'll never happen. Whereas, you know, the, it was that was phenomenal. And so I think we actually kicked a whole lot of goals and the majority of people think that um, – have raised their estimation of scientists, not not decreased. That's my gut feeling. But then again, maybe 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 I'm being a bit Pollyanna-ish. Well, I've got to say, three years ago, I didn't know what epidemiology was. Now I can, I can give you my top five epidemiologists. <laughs> and Pete, you could you could name every chief health officer in the country as well. Uh, so oh, you see them in the. I, I run into some of them, you know, in the pubs and stuff like that, and they're like heroes now. You know, you yeah. go up to them. Oh, okay. Yeah, sorry, I'm the, sorry in the media last week. Gee, you did a good job. And, you know, they look so proud. Their families look up to them now. Before, we were a bunch of geeks. Now we're walking around. Our there's, a, there's some swagger. There's some swagger. There's some head wobbling going on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, science swagger. <laughs> Indeed, and we love it. Well, our anti-vaxxers, uh, our anti-vax conspiracy theorists, fuckwits, no. They are just curious, arrogant, paranoid, and have limited training in evaluating information. Uh, Steve Allen, thank you so much uh, for joining us here. And Steve, if people want to find out more about you and what you do, where can they reach out? 
Oh, they can just look at my – I've got a website, steveallen.com. Ellen is E-L-L-E-N, though. No one ever – everyone says I'm not on the internet. I am. I'm just spelt badly. <laughs> there it is. Uh, thanks for your insights, Steve. We really appreciate it. Cheers. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Steve. Are you happy with that, Pete? Anti-vax conspiracy theorists, fuckwits or not fuckwits? No, no I'm, I'm loath to call them fuckwits because yeah. I and I and I do understand that, that that there are many. And I'm glad Steve made the point that if you if you're an anti-vaxxer, it doesn't mean that you are a conspiracy theorist. Some people, I have a, I have a neighbour who I've had discussions with, and he, mm. I, I'm, I, I don't know if he's recently vaccinated or not, but he's got his own reasons. We we still get along. He's a lovely guy, you know. Yeah. So uh, this is not to cast a shadow over anyone, over everyone. Who's an anti-vaxxer? It's just or, or vaccine hesitant. It's just you know we've got your back. <laughs> well, I mean I don't care anymore because we're ninety six, ninety six, ninety six percent vax. So whatever. It's a really good point. I, 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 I've and I've kind of spoke. I've said it to a lot of people actually. That the 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 argument here is almost it's done. It's like we're we're ninety six percent vaccinated. Mm. I think in Victoria it's nearly. 60, 70%, uh, you know, third with the, the booster as well. So, mm. yeah. Uh, Peter Hellier, thank you for exploring the world of fuckwits uh, with, with me. Well, thank uh, you, mate. You've let's... always been my favourite fuckwit. <laughs> and you, you are one of my favourite fuckwits. Uh, what are you doing at the moment? Do you want to plug something that's oh, uh, going on with your, 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 your 1,000 projects you can, that you've yeah, uh, got going on? Well, you can you can see my latest comedy special, Loopy, yes. where I do talk about some of the uh, anti-vaxxer stuff um, on Paramount+. Plus. You can sign up for a, a, seven, a, three, a free seven-day trial, if you like, and... Um, See if it all suits you. There's lots of uh, Tom Ballard, Nate Velvo, Gerald and Hickey have got their specials on there as well. The Yellowstone prequels on on, on Paramount. Uh, so lots of good stuff on there. Um, and my podcast, You Ain't Seen Nothing Yet. It's a movie podcast where I chat to a, a movie lover about a classic movie they haven't got around to watching until now. They come in. You 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 did it. Uh, I, I have done one. And, uh, and uh, Gone with the Wind and Sound of Music are two classics that I think people can get. Yes, we, the, yeah, uh, we, we, did, we, we did a live uh, version of The Sound of Music, uh, well, a live version of the podcast with Judith Lucy, who unbelievably hadn't seen it. And uh, I also did, uh, in studio with Rove McManus, we, we, we chatted about Gone with the Wind, which was, that was a big week. That was a good, well, nearly seven hours, oh. eight, nearly eight hours of movie watching. <laughs> you Ain't Seen Nothing Yet is that podcast. Uh, Peter Hellier, thank you very much. Thanks, mate. And that's it for this week on Don't Be a Fuckwit. Uh, please leave a review uh, if you like and tell a friend about the pod. Get them listening as well. Thank you very much. And remember... Don't be a fuckwit.